It's the Bible, Bourbons, and Brews show with your host, Jason Candler. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bible, Bourbons, and Brews to see what we're drinking this week. Each week, we study a different chapter of the Bible while showcasing a new bourbon, craft brew, or hard cider. Have a question, comment, or just want to collaborate with us? Then drop us a line at BibleBourbonsBrews at gmail.com. What's up, brew brothers and sisters? Jason Candler here, your host for Bible, Bourbons, and Brews. Another week in the books, another week in the book. Hope you guys had a great week this past week. I know I did. I actually got a chance to head up to Washington to visit my sister and some of my family. (laughs) That's my sister, Mariah. And I got a chance to uh, visit with her and spend some time with her and spend some time with family and friends as well. So it's really good just to connect with family and friends. Uh, This week's episode 71, we're going to be talking about John chapter 15, and we'll be sampling and reviewing Matchless Brewing Company's Dream Sickle Gelato IPA. Definitely looking forward to that. So this week's episode, guys, is titled, He Chooses You. And we'll get into that in John chapter 15 in just a couple minutes here. Uh, But this week, I just want to take a moment to to just kind of reflect on this weekend so far. Um, I got a chance, like I said, to come up to Washington and visit my family and stay at my sister's house. And she's got a beautiful property here. She's got horses. There's a a trail, a wooded trail right across the street uh, from her place here. And I just had some time to walk out and spend some time in nature, walk through the trails. There's just the changes in the undergrowth and a short one mile trail was uh, fascinating to me. There was so much diversity of the plant life, uh, the bugs and birds and everything that were just kind of flying around, buzzing, buzzing by. Um, I saw a snake. There's been hummingbirds. You know, the first morning at my sister's house when I woke up, I come downstairs and get myself a glass of water and I look out the window and there's two hummingbirds just like fighting with each other right at the window at the hummingbird feeder. And it was so cool to watch. I must have stood there for like five minutes and just watched them fighting back and forth and just zipping in, zipping out. They're like nature's little jet fighters or something. They're just like so fast. And it was just fascinating looking at that and looking at the birds and looking out at at all the different plants and stuff, my sister's garden. And I was just reminded of the abundance with which we've been blessed here on this planet, the creator's hand, and even the hummingbirds that were zipping around. They were all different colors, One of them had, uh, from one angle, his head looked gray, and then you move just a little bit, and his head looked red, and you move a little bit further, and his head looked gold, and it was like these iridescent feathers on this little tiny hummingbird, and there's probably 20 different hummingbirds that were buzzing around, you know, and then as I'm walking down the trail, there's blackberries, and I'm picking blackberries and eating those. As I'm sitting outside doing my devotion, a snake slithers by, you know, there's just so much life here, and we're so blessed with just the abundance and the diversity. My sister and I also went to a little lake that's pretty close to her house. And as we were there, we saw so many different types of dragonflies buzzing around. And then we just got to talking and had some really good conversation about just how the creator gave us so much. You know, John Eldridge says in his book, Beautiful Outlaw, that there's really two ways that God talks to us. One is through his word and one is through creation. And if you look at dogs, how dogs play with each other, how they 
chase their own tail. They, they run around and they entertain themselves. Or you look at dolphins and how playful they are. How dogs are excited to see their person, you know, and they want to interact with us. And that's something that I think really applies to this week's episode too. God wants to interact with us. He chooses us. And so let's go ahead and get into this week, this week's uh, chapter, guys. It's John chapter 15. And I am going to be reading from the Living Bible that we do each and every week here on Bible Bourbons and Brews. So I'm going to start John chapter 15, and I'm going to read starting in verse 9. And it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Live within my love. When you obey me, you are living in my love, just as I obey my Father and I live in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your cup of joy will overflow. I demand that you love each other as much as I love you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when a person lays down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you obey me. So I no longer call you slaves, for a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are now my friends, proved by the fact that I have told you that everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lovely fruit always. So no matter what you ask for from the Father using my name, he will give it to you. I demand that you love each other, for you will get enough hate from this world. How powerful is that, that he chose, and here he's talking to the disciples, but he says that all of us are to follow his example, and all of us are to go out. He is the vine, we are the branches. All of us are to go out and produce fruit. So how powerful is this, that here's the creator of all of this amazing diversity, all the, the life that's on this planet, and he still chooses us. God, Christ chose his disciples. God chooses us. And this is just something that just really speaks to me in a powerful way. And what do you think, sis? I really like the part about living in my love and what he says about he has passed on this love from his father. He received love from his father and he has passed it on now to his disciples. And I think that that is, then he's now charging them with, okay, now you go out and you take this love to each other and to the world. And I think as Christians, that really should be essentially what we do. I think sometimes we get caught up in the rules or the the dogma or the this or the that instead of just looking at this basic commandment and the basic commandment is love each other. And it's not because of anything else but that the Father loved Jesus and Jesus loved us. Right. And he says, I demand that you love each other as much as I love you. And I think that's powerful. You said, live within my love. That's the biggest thing that you take away from this. And at the top of my Bible, it has little excerpts from each chapter and actually says, live within my love is like the key takeaway from this chapter. So this is definitely something I think, like you said, speaks to us as to what we should do. He chose his disciples and he chose to share with them the father's love. And he chose to share with them everything that God told him. Like he revealed to them the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He revealed to them God's true plan for us, the true plan for us. And that's, I think that's what, I think honestly, that's what got Jesus in trouble with the, with the religious leaders of the time was like, he came here to show us like, this is, this is really God's plan here. But like you said, this isn't about the rules. This isn't about the dogmatic, you know, 
theology and all this kind of stuff. This is about love one another. Like, I am here to lay down. And then it says, what is the greatest love? When a person lays down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. He came here to lay down his life for us. He came here to lay down his life, not just for his friends, his disciples, but for each and every single one of us. And that's just so powerful. He chose that and he chose us. He chose to do that for us. That's something that's just powerful. And I think too, that he then creates them as his friends. Yeah. You know, he's saying, you're my friends because I've told you everything the father told me. And especially at that time, there was so much siloing of information where the religious leaders would have the texts and they would be able to read them. But a lot of the people um, in the rest of the religion were illiterate. So they wouldn't even know what religious leaders were saying. If it was true, it was all of this information that was separated out. Or it's a completely different language. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you think of like the early Catholic church and they spoke in Latin and most of the people in the areas that they had the, the churches and stuff, they didn't speak Latin. And so it's like, were they taking, were they doing that to keep the, you know, the true information away from just the common folk? And so that's another great question. You know, and I think Mm -hmm. John Eldridge talks about that in his book a little bit, uh, Beautiful Outlaw. He talks about that a little bit, like what better tool, and this this is going to be controversial. I'm going to get really close to the microphone because this is going to be controversial. What better tool for the devil to use to keep us away from the true spirit of God and the true spirit of Christ of love than religion itself? What better tool? And he says that. And when I first read, I was raised very religious, I would say. You know, Mariah, my sister, we were both raised in the same household. And we were both raised very religious. And when I first read that, I was, like, upset. I I was uh, almost offended by it. I was like, how blasphemous of John Eldridge to say this. How uh, sacrilegious of him to say it, but that's exactly what it is. It is sacrilegious. And if you look at Jesus's life and the struggles that he had, it wasn't struggles with society. It wasn't struggles with the rulers of the, the region, you know, the Roman government or anything like that. He struggled and he combated against the religious leaders, the religious dogma. I mean, how many times have we talked about on this podcast the religious leaders were jealous of Jesus and his popularity with the people. Right. You know? And even at the end, I'm jumping ahead a little bit in our yeah. story, but even at the end, you know, the religious leaders are the ones that persecuted Jesus and really wanted to, for lack of a better term, like take him down. Yeah. And they went to the Roman leaders and said, hey, we need to get rid of this guy. And the Roman leaders were like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah. And, and okay, let's jump ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pilate was like, I find no fault in this man. Yeah. And, you know, you and I were talking about this yesterday, and I was saying, you know, oh, I can't wait for the next couple chapters or whatever. You know, it's getting really good. You know, we're getting down to the down to the wire, the nitty-gritty. And it was talking about how the Roman leader punched Jesus. It's like he punched him in the face when he was like, he, you know, the, one of the Roman leaders asked Jesus, he's like, are these things true? And he was like, I ask them. I have spoken for myself. And then the Roman soldier punched Jesus in the face. And Jesus turned to him and said, do you hit a man for telling the truth? I mean, I was like, whoa, it's getting good, you know? And it's just like the Roman government, they didn't want anything to do with him. 
They tried, and they were like, I don't want anything to do with him. Pilate was like, I find no fault in this man. I wash my hands of this whole thing. And the leader, the religious leaders were like, they were the ones that were out inciting the, the riots and the mobs and everything mm-hmm. to try to get them to, you know, rise up against Jesus and, like, take him by force. If, you, if you've never read the Bible before and you weren't raised in a religious uh, household or, or under religious doctrine or anything like that, and you just read the Bible as a historical book with like histor- historical text, and you read the Bible from cover to cover, it's clear to see who the good guys and the bad guys are. And some people might be offended by me saying this. Some people might be feeling controversial tug of war within themselves. Like, wow, you know, if you really take out the religious leaders of the time, would there have been any persecution of Jesus? Mm-hmm. The, the people loved him. Yeah. The, like the, the town folk, they loved him. Because I think to them, he was a savior and he was taking this word from God and presenting it to them in a way that applied to them and that was accessible to them when they hadn't had that, I think, from the religious leaders. Whereas the religious leaders, um, they saw Jesus as a threat. They've had this power and it has been only theirs for so long. They were the direct communications with with God. They were the ones who interpreted everything and then told the people what to do. And then now suddenly there's somebody else who's coming in and saying, you don't have to go through this rigmarole. You don't have to go to the to the temple and spend all your money that you had for food for your children this month to buy a cow, to sacrifice it, to absolve yourself of sin. Jesus is saying, no, you have a direct communication and a direct line, and I'm sharing all of this with you. Um, I'm sharing everything that the, that the Father has given to me, and I'm sharing it directly to you. And then to the religious leaders, that was so threatening, and that was so terrifying to them because they were going to lose their power. They were going to lose um, this life that they had lived where they were the ultimate power and the ultimate answer to everything that the people uh, had in their life. Exactly. Please don't get me wrong uh, when I say this. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with religion per se. But let's think of it like this. If I go to the store and I buy a bottle of Mountain Spring water that has been processed and shipped and packaged and sat on a store shelf... And for for months, who knows? And it hasn't been kept cool or anything like that. And I drink it. It's still good water. It's still good. I still like the taste of it. But yet, if I were to walk to that mountain spring, take a hike through the woods, fresh air, find the mountain spring, the original source of that water, and if I were to bend down and just dip my face and bury my face and hands into that water, how much more refreshing is that going to taste? How much better is that going to be for me? Straight from the source, not bottled, not prepackaged, not shipped, not sitting on a shelf somewhere, not in a tanker truck that was stuck in traffic on I-5 or I-405 or whatever. If I am getting it straight from the source, how much better is that water going to taste? How much better is it going to be for me? Because it hasn't been sitting in a pipe or a, or a bottle or a can or anything else other than straight out of the mouth of the spring. And so how good is that going to taste? How good is that going to be for me coming straight from the source? 
Until you get diarrhea the next day. Well, okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe that wasn't the best example. Maybe that wasn't the best example. Because a deer but, peed in it upstream. <laughs> right. Let's let's take Jardia okay. out of this. But let's. But if you're going straight to the source, <laughs> I think you're safe. Yeah. 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 If you're going straight to the source. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so you know, I remember we you know growing up in Washington, you know my my parents were very much into going outdoors and exploring nature. My parents too. Yeah. Our, our sorry, our parents were very much into going outdoors and going hiking and exploring. And I think it trickled down to us. Like I love to go explore, you know, I I do the same thing with my kids and we go out and explore all the time. And I remember a time that we went, uh, all of us went up to Mount Rainier national park and we walked this little trail and along the trail, there were all these different mountain springs going back to this, the spring making you sick. There were all these (laughs) different mountain springs and there was one mountain spring that, it's, I think it was called Cherry Soda or something like that. Like the spring itself was called, like they, each one of them was named a different thing. And I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. I can't remember. And I remember smelling it and it was like, oh, it smells just like Cherry 7-Up. And of course, I, you know, being a kid, I'm not looking at the signs that say, don't drink this water. I just grab a big handful of water and drink it. And the next couple of days, I didn't leave the bathroom. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yes, could, is it possible that I would get Jardia or some <laughs> other, you know, gut bacteria that wouldn't be good for me drinking straight from a mountain, mountain spring? Absolutely. But I think the point is still true. Jesus was the original source for this information. He was the original source. And he said, I am telling you everything that the Father told me. I have lived in the Father's love, and you are living in my love. There is no artificial ingredients, artificial flavoring. There's no bleaching. There's no bottles. There's no, there's nothing manufactured or artificial about what I am giving to you, my disciples, and what he is giving to us. There's nothing artificial about that. I think if we want to take this a step further, you could even say that, you know, God, the Father, is the spring And if we drink directly from that, it might be too much for our systems. And so we didn't understand, like, mentally, we could not process how many thousands of years did we try to talk directly to the Father and and it got convoluted and there are prophets, you know? And it's like the Jewish people, they struggled to understand what God was about. And so Jesus was sent to show them. And he was that real life application of here, I am God in flesh and I'm human in flesh. And I'm here to show you that. And maybe Jesus is that charcoal filter that takes the spring water and, and makes it so that our human bodies with our human ailments and our human minds can understand what the fa- what the father is trying to tell us and how much he loves us and how much he wants to refresh and restore us to perfection. Exactly. And I think our limited human minds. And I think, you know, as we, as we read through the Bible and the, the past chapters and the chapters coming up, how many times does Jesus use simple analogies? The mustard seed, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, the, the fig tree, the vine and the branches. He uses countless parables and countless analogies to simplify or break down for us the complexity of God's love, the complexity of faith, the complexity of forgiveness, the complexity of how God 
how we absorb God and how how much he loves us. You know, the shepherd, I mean, there's so many analogies that Jesus uses that are just coming to my mind right now. The sowing of the seeds from the farmer. Countless examples that he uses, simple analogies that the people could understand. So I think you're exactly right. Christ is the charcoal filter from the spring of God's love. And maybe it would be too overwhelming for us. He does say, your cup of joy will overflow. And I think that this is just wrapping up a perfect analogy and the way that that we have the bottle analogy and this mountain spring analogy and just kind of how everything flows together is divinely directed. I mean, there's, there's no question in my mind, and I have almost have chills talking about this with you and, you know, the different analogies that we can use to express how God is trying to reach out to us. And you and I were talking the other day about a dog. And mm-hmm. a dog and how they love you no matter what. Yeah, unconditional. Unconditional. You could have the worst day ever. You could have the worst day. And you come home and your dog is happy to see you. Hi, I'm here. Uh, I'm glad you're here. And he's just so excited. And dogs constantly want to play with you. And you could even be mean to your dog. You can say, no. And you can, like, throw a newspaper at him or whatever. And that dog will still come and love you and want to be with you. They will come and nudge your hand. They will come and nudge your leg. They'll come and lay down in front of you and roll around. And I think that if we look at the way that God talks to us through his word and through his creation, that's exactly what he wants. He chose us. He said through his word, he chose us. And if we look at creation, he chooses us through creation as well. Look how a dog is so playful and so loving unconditionally and wants to be with you. The dog chooses you. The dog runs to you. The dog nudges you. And I think that's what God does with us. Even if we had the worst day ever, he will come and he will nudge us. He'll come and he will nudge our leg or nudge our hand or put his head under our hand. Do you know what I'm saying? Not literally, but figuratively. So so with that, um, let's go ahead and get into this week's beer. Um, I did have a chance. My sister took me to Matchless Brewing Company. It's in Tumwater, uh, Washington. It's really close to Olympia, and they have some really good, fantastic beers over there. Uh, You can check out our Instagram page at Bible Bourbons and Brews. You can link over to their Instagram page from our post that we posted yesterday. Uh, So this is the Dream Sickle Gelato IPA. And Mariah, you told me something about the uh, gelato shop that's yeah. on there. Yeah, so this is made with uh, gelato from a local shop called Sophie's Scoops, and it's like a local favorite, downtown Olympia, super cute. Um, they make it all by hand, local ingredients. And check them out. You can, If you're ever in town, check them out or check out their Instagram. Sophie's is spelled with a F. S-O-F-I-E, Sophie's Gelato Shop. Sophie's Scoops. Sophie's Scoops. Yep. Sophie's Scoops Gelato Shop. So check them out on Instagram. Um, We'll go ahead and tag them in the post uh, that we're going to put up for the podcast as well. So let's go ahead and get into this. Guys, this is Matchless Dreamsicle Gelato IPA. So let's go ahead and crack this guy here. Ah, love that sound. Let your cup overflow. I'm going to let my cup of joy overflow with this Dreamsicle IPA right now. All right. Oh, yeah. It almost looks creamy, like a creamsicle. Oh, look at the light on the bubbles coming in here. Look at that. Yeah, that's cool. That's beautiful. It's kind of an ombre from the beer. Yeah, it's It's like light up here, and then it gets the bubbles get darker down at the bottom. All right, I got to take a picture of that, too. So, 
Guys, be sure to check out our Instagram page at Bible Bourbons and Brews. We'll link over to Matchless Brewing Company's Instagram page as well. Uh, this is the Dreamsicle Gelato IPA. Does smell like a creamsicle, like a. It smells like mm-hmm. orange creamsicle. It smells very smooth. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and give this guy a taste here. Oh, that's good. It has a creamy mouthfeel, just like you would expect from like a like a creamsicle. And there's a hint of vanilla, and there's a hint of orange. Oh, man. This is actually super good. I got to take another taste. Oh, yeah. It's a little... Um, it's a little creamy in color, I would say, too. It's not like crystal clear, and that's probably from the gelato from Sophie Scoops. So, guys, that about wraps it up this week. Thank you to my special guest, my sister, Mariah. Thanks for having me, Jason. It was really fun. Thank you to Matchless Brewing Company. Sophie's Scoops Dreamsicle Gelato IPA was fantastic, so check them out. If you guys have questions or comments, you'd like to collaborate with us, drop us an email, biblebourbonsbrews at gmail.com. Hope you guys have a great week this next week, and we'll talk to you next time. This is your host, Jason Candler for Bible, Bourbons, and Brews. And this is Mariah Candler of Mariah Candler. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. God bless. Mm